Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or... You know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader, audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. All right, it's true confessions time on OTB. That's short for on the ball. I intended to devote this episode to completing my selection of the top 75 all-time greats. As regular listeners to this podcast know, I've completed the first four eras, incorporating the all-time 50 greatest, adding Neil Johnston and Dominique Wilkins to the first three eras, and then filling out the 91-92 to 05-06 era with eight more names. Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Jason Kidd, Kevin Garnett, Allen Iverson, Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, and Gary Payton. With LeBron James already placed in the final era, the 0607 to 2021, I now have the task of selecting 14 more players to reach the completion of that last 15-season era. The true confession? I'm not finished. If you must know, I decided, for the sake of my state of mind and the state of my home, to spend the day, Labor Day, with my wife driving down the coast to Santa Cruz to ride our road bikes up into the mountains just west of town. The excursion took up the better part of the day, which means that you, my listeners, are not getting what I had hoped to give you. But it also means that my personal life is in a better place. Sometimes a man's got to do what a man's got to do. Happy wife, happy life. All that. Actually, I anticipated that this might happen, which is why I threw out at the end of the last episode the possibility of pivoting to the discussion of Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving, 
and the recent debate on social media about who has the better skills. And that's where we're going to go. I could make short work of this and simply state the obvious. It's Kyrie Irving. At least if I'm going by what the basis of the argument seemed to be on social media, which is who has the tighter handle and the better moves. Of course, that is as surfacy, two-dimensional, and conveniently selective as you can get. No surprise, since the debate, as far as I can tell, started with Kyrie Irving fans making a case for their guy. But as most of you know, we don't do surfacy or conveniently selective here at OTB. We go wide and deep and multidimensional. And then the answer is equally obvious. It's Steph Curry. This is where the Kyrie supporters are absolutely right. As much of a magician as Steph can be with the ball, as shifty and agile as he can be to create a shot, he does not have what Kyrie has. Some of it is simply a matter of physique. Kyrie is listed as 6'2 and 195 pounds, where Steph is listed as 6'3 and 185 on basketball reference. The weight of players in general is usually listed as static through the better part of their careers, and that is rarely the case. Players' weights can fluctuate as much as 15 to 20 pounds from season to season, even among guards, while big men sometimes go up and down by as much as 50. But I never see those numbers updated. Obviously, it's not always good weight, but the fact is the accuracy of the numbers is not guaranteed. That goes for any numbers or statistics, but in this case, it's particularly true. For the most part, though, the difference visibly between Kyrie and Steph is fairly easy to discern. Steph has a more slender build, while Kyrie is more boxy. What makes them both great, and particularly devastating as ball handlers, is that their games and skills have evolved in a way to make the most of how they're built. Kyrie operates closer to the ground with a lower dribble. The heart of his trickery is not to get a defender to lean forward or back, but left or right. It allows him to operate a little more effectively as a scorer in the mid-range than Steph, or finish around the rim without elevating. Steph, meanwhile, operates with a higher dribble, and while he does often use a sidestep dribble to get off a shot from beyond the arc, he freezes defenders by getting them to bite on his pump fake or a jab step or a change of speed or a hesitation dribble that has the defender not sure if he's going to rise up or swerve past him. Steph's moves look more fluid, while Kyrie's appear more explosive, even violent. The reason for all this is simple. It's all about the shot they prefer taking to score. Nearly a quarter of Kyrie's career attempts have been at the rim. Nearly half have been from within 16 feet. Compare that to Steph's career attempts from within 16 feet. Roughly 35%, almost a 15% difference. Well, nearly half of his career attempts have come from beyond the arc. If we're talking strictly about the skill of getting by a defender, hands down, it's Kyrie who's better at it. 
But this is where the discussion becomes more nuanced. Why, once we stray from the surfacey question of who can make a defender look sillier, Kyrie or Steph, other skills come into play. Because it's a bit all or nothing with Kyrie. He's making a defender look silly and scoring, or he's making a defender look silly and he's not. And he's doing all that with shots, for the most part, that are worth a point less than the ones that Steph is predominantly taking. Which is why, despite Kyrie being far more focused on scoring, Curry has two scoring titles to his credit, including last season, where Kyrie has never finished higher than eighth and only twice in the top 10. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I don't know about any of you, but... I consider the ability to create shots for others as a skill as well. Steph is discounted somewhat when it comes to the makeup of the Warriors as a playmaker because he's not their best. Draymond Green is and has been pretty much the entire time they've played together. Some of that is because Steph is also an extremely proficient catch-and-shoot scorer. And I say scorer rather than shooter because a great deal of his shots within the arc come from give-and-go action with Draymond, where Steph is shooting in a variety of ways. How often do you see Kyrie taking a floater or any sort of one-handed shot that isn't within three feet of the basket? It's not often. Turnaround jumpers, fadeaway jumpers, step-back jumpers, that is Kyrie's arsenal. But all of that is off the dribble, And I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you, and I know I've said numbers don't tell the whole story. But in this case, when we're talking career numbers, combined with what we see on a nightly basis, they are pretty revealing. For all the finishing inside that Kyrie does, which is far more than Steph, only 24% of his two-point makes are assisted, whereas one-third of Steph's buckets inside the arc are the result of being set up. I don't know if this will surprise you, but it did me. More than 60% of Steph's three-pointers have been assisted in his career. Kyrie has made 55% of his threes on catch-and-shoots. Now, I'm sure Kyrie fans will be quick to argue that, yeah, well, Kyrie hasn't had the benefit of playing with a passer like Draymond. He had LeBron James with him for three seasons in Cleveland, while Steph has been with Draymond for nine. Fair point. But the flip side of that is, if Kyrie is truly the more skilled player overall and is better at breaking down that initial defender, he should be creating more shots for others than Steph. But that clearly is not the case. Steph, for his career, averages nearly one more assist than Kyrie. Steph, playing with Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre Jr. and Jordan Poole as the second, third, and fourth best scorers to him on the Warriors last year, 
averaged 5.8 assists. Kyrie playing with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Morris as the second, third, and fourth best scorers averaged 5.1 assists. I know which trio I'd rather have. Now, he did reach a career high of 6.9 assists his second year, but that was with Gordon Hayward added to the mix. Steph's fifth option that, that last year, rookie James Wiseman. Anyone who watched the Warriors last year knows that all the attention Steph drew last season created all sorts of wide-open opportunities for anyone who happened to be on the floor with him. It's why Wiggins shot a career-high field goal percentage. Tatum, meanwhile, shot the same percentage the second year he played with Kyrie that he did the following year without him, while taking five more shots without him. You can interpret that however you see fit. I take it as an indicator that the quality of shots he got playing with Kyrie were no better than playing without him. I'm not going to delve into who is better skilled as a defender between Steph and Kyrie because a lot of that has to do with who they've played with and how good the respective teams were at that end of the floor. And I'd say that Steph has had the benefit of playing with better overall defensive players on teams that made that more of an emphasis in their formula for success. But for whatever it's worth, Steph's career defensive rating is better than Kyrie's. Which brings us to the final piece of the puzzle. How well do they apply their individual skills to benefit the team as a whole? Quite simply, who would you rather have? The greatest difference between the two is reflected in the fact that only one of the two subjects in this debate felt the need to respond and complain about the fact that the debate ever started, and that was Kyrie. It just seems like a silly thing to get wrapped around the axle about. If you don't believe the exercise has merit and those participating in it have no importance, why draw attention to it? To be clear, the debate started on social media and then the TV pundits that Kyrie took the opportunity to criticize were merely using it to create content in a slow period in the sports calendar. It happens all the time. As if comparing players hasn't been a fabric of sports since time immemorial and will continue to be by fans, media, and players alike. And I didn't hear Kyrie complaining about that exercise when the Cavaliers beat the Warriors in the finals and Kyrie was anointed as being superior to Steph then because he was able to score the deciding three-pointer over Steph while Steph couldn't shake Kevin Love to turn the tables. Steph could have made the case at the time that he was playing on a sprained knee, suffered earlier in the playoffs, and clearly was compromised in the series against the Cavs, which he subsequently demonstrated the difference. But he did not. He did not raise the issue. And it's not that Kyrie seems to be forever finding fault with someone or something and the distractions that that creates. It's that he contributes to the controversy in a way that is often misdirected or at best confusing or as a means of grinding a personal axe. It's one thing to be an agent for change and another to be an effective agent. 
Kyrie donated $1.5 million to support WNBA players who didn't want to play in the bubble, either because of COVID concerns or as a social justice statement. Steph donated an undisclosed amount to his alma mater to create scholarships for the school's 200 female athletes. Here was his reasoning. The reason I am who I am today is also because of strong, powerful women who have poured into my life all these years. Now, as the father of two girls, I want them to grow up without any boundaries on their futures. Kyrie's explanation for what he did. Whether a person decided to fight for social justice, play basketball, focus on physical or mental health, or simply connect with their families, this initiative can hopefully support their priorities and decisions. Okay, if you're asking me which initiative is more eye-catching, particularly since a number was thrown out there, I'd say Kyrie's. As I said, especially since it was advertised how much he spent. If you're asking which has a chance of making a greater impact, I'd say it's Steph's. Fact is, I have no idea what Kyrie's accomplished. And I'm not making this an issue of who does more. They both have been great contributors to their communities. Both should be recognized and applauded for doing so. My point is simply that Kyrie has made a greater effort to be seen as the greater benefactor, the more socially conscious. And I just don't think that's accurate. He's simply drawn more attention to himself in the way that he's gone about it. So if anyone wants to claim that Kyrie has better handles and more devastating moves than Steph, I'd agree. If we widen the lens and compare them in their entirety as all-around players and teammates and contributors to society, there's no debate. It is and has been Steph Curry. But I suspect whoever started the debate that inspired this particular podcast knows that which is why they framed it the way they did. And if Kyrie had taken issue with that fact, well, I would have wholeheartedly agreed with him. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And in the next episode, I hopefully will be completing the 75, the list of 75 all-time greats. However, <laughs> there is also the issue of the upcoming Hall of Fame class that will be inducted coming up. And the business of the Basketball Hall of Fame and the selection process and how I believe that it has devalued the whole concept of the Hall of Fame, at least when it comes to basketball. That is going to be in an upcoming episode as well. Which one comes first? I can't tell you just now, but we'll get to both. In the meantime, I hope your Labor Day was as productive on as many fronts as mine was. And thanks for listening.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.